into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined this week by a returning guest and my co-host for this episode because I've been I've, I've been left on my own. I've been left on my own if it wasn't for um, Joel Sked saving me and coming on. How are you doing, Joel? Yes, very good. I was uh, uh, pretty because I had, uh, had substantial notes uh, regarding so St Johnston and Ryan McGowan. So that's uh, I can just cast them to the side. Maybe use them for later in later in the season. Right. Well. So yeah, Mark Donaldson is on a cruise, so that's why he is he is not on. Ryan McGowan couldn't make this one, um, and I'm just messaging him saying Joel had substantial notes, so you have to do an interview for him. <laughs> Uh, so Ryan McGowan, um, we, we should say, well done, Ryan McGowan. He's got a new deal back in Scotland, not at Tynecastle, but just along the road in Perth for St Johnston. Um, so he will still be part of the podcast, not as regularly. He will have commitments with St Johnston, of course, but hopefully he'll be able to come on and chat about certain matches and have a little laugh with some of our guests. Um, but yeah, what are we going to fire to him? We can, we can talk about it. Do you think it's a good move for St Johnston to sign Ryan McGowan, Joel Sked? I think, I mean, he, he won't be any worse than uh, the performers last season, that's for sure. Uh, I, I still think he'll, um, he'll do more life. I'd be interested to see where uh, where St Johnston play him. Uh, I don't know if you've spoken to spoken to Ryan, there's a chat for maybe being the right of a, right of a back three, so... I think he has is uh, more of enough about him to be uh, a very good signing for for St Johnston. Yeah, they've got quite a lot of centre backs, and they signed a new one today. But one of them left. But we we we, we probably shouldn't make it. I, I joked on Twitter that next week on Saints around the funnel, and we're almost going down that route. But well done to Ryan for getting a new deal. Um, he's not on this week though, and we are of course dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, so we will be focusing on the men in maroon. Uh, who played at the weekend in their final pre-season friendly against Stoke City. We'll have a quick chat about that. Uh, we're going to talk about season predictions. I put this out there this week on Twitter to get people to give their vote, their um, feedback on where they felt Hearts would finish the season, what players are going to stand out. So we're going to talk through that with Joel. Uh, we're going to have a chat about the potential European trip. So Hearts will be in the hat for the playoff for the Europa League next week and the teams that Hearts can play it's been whittled down so we've got a good idea about who the potential teams will be so we'll chat about that as well and of course we'll look ahead to the Scottish Premiership opener and that's against Ross County this Saturday Okay first up at the weekend Hart and Midlothian hosted Stoke City and what was Gary Locke's testimonial for over 20 years of service to the club and only the second person to have a testimonial match in the 21st century that was after Robbie Nielsen got one and Gary Locke unsurprisingly actually played in that one as well um, so a nice occasion fairly decent 8,000 crowd in attendance which isn't bad for a pre-season match and in terms of the game itself Hearts were facing championship club Stoke City so a pretty decent calibre of opposition and they were looking to prepare with their final um, friendly match before they played Millwall which will be coming this weekend as well so in terms of the team five changes to the side that lost to Preston this is for Hearts of course uh, Craig Gordon and goals back three of Halkett, Kingsley and Rolls Nathaniel Atkinson on the right Alex Cochran on the left Michael Smith in the centre with Peter Haring and in attack it was Forrest right Barry Mackay left and the man making his first appearance for Hearts, wearing number nine, 
Lawrence Shankland. So first up, Joel, in terms of how Hearts lined up, do you feel this was pretty close to what Robbie will be looking at for the Ross County game? Yeah, I, I think so. Just just for uh, just before we can move on, I'm just going to have to apologise to any listeners if you hear any strange noise in the background. It's my dog. He is uh, he's named after Solius Michaelinus, and he's going to treat this podcast like Andy Davis. Uh, it seems like, but um, <laughs> the yeah the, the the game with Stoke I was interested by the starting lineup because when I seen it drop on Saturday, that took me uh, probably longer than it should to work out how we're going to line up just because we had. Um, Two left-sided centre-backs We had uh, Craig Halkett And we had Michael Smith And then we had uh, two full-backs Slash uh, wing-backs But I think it worked relatively well I was, uh, I don't know what it is There's something about uh, There's something about uh, I don't know if it's because I'm right-footed They just don't, uh, There's a, a mistrust of left-backs Where with Stephen Kingsley in the middle of a back three as a, as a left-footed player, it was just something I didn't feel overly comfortable. Then watching the game, he he absolutely strolled. I know it's a friendly, but he was just uh, just different class, and I was pretty impressed with the certainly the certainly the first hour. Obviously, that centre midfield is not going to be our um, our starting uh, to Peter Haring and Michael Smith going forward. Interested to see if maybe um, George. I, I really just want to call him Horky Grant. Um, I know. Will come in <laughs> and I watched him quite a bit. Watched quite a bit of him at Notts County and Lincoln because he had two really good goal scoring seasons at both. And I found that the, the when he played best, he was kind of the at one of the like central attacking three off the left hand side, kind of where Barry Mackay plays. He's not going to play ahead of Barry Mackay. So you've seen it against Preston where. Nielsen dropped him a wee bit deeper, played him centrally, and he can play there. Just wonder if against Ross County he might do that where we're going to have we'll have more than 50% of the ball. We should be dominating the game. I think you're right about midfield. Obviously, Michael Smith can cover there as as he can cover a few positions, but unlikely to be a, a regular in that position. Um in terms of left footers, I do get that as well. And I think it is not that I can play football to any level whatsoever, or ever did play football to any level whatsoever, but I was allegedly right-footed and I'm the same you know if it's two central midfielders who are both left-footed or um, two centre-backs are both left-footed it makes me slightly uneasy even though well you can play a right-sided you know a right-footed on the left of the centre-backs or and even at left-back I don't even mind um, remember we used to have Ali Mabry and Robbie Nielsen both playing full-back Mabry would often drop to the left um, didn't bother me so much but I don't know how I'd feel about two left-footed full-backs both playing in the same game um in terms of the centre-backs, he did switch roles and, and Kingsley as well. Um, so, no, Kingsley has flourished. And is that a tricky one there? Because Kingsley is terrific in that left centre-back role. It, it suits him so well, doesn't it? Because he can get forward and the other two can stay back. He, he gets up very well, but he's not so much of a wing-back. It, is it is it going to be tough for Robbie Nielsen to organise that? Because I think last season it was very straightforward because you had... Left foot Kings in the left. You had Halkett in the centre, who arguably has had his best games for Hearts in the centre of a back three. And you had John Souter, who kind of stepped out from the right side. So when they were all fit, it was quite straightforward to pick where they'd play, wasn't it? Yeah, so that, that that's what... It, that can somewhat confuse me, because when, when it emerged that Kai Rolls was, was, was a sign of Hearts, I went on went on Scout, watched a few of his games... And then I was just looking at him and thinking, he's, there's a lot of similarities to Stephen Kingsley. And I, I just wasn't sure of the reason behind it. Of course, he's a very highly rated player in Australia. I think it says a lot that his, uh, I think only his third cap uh, was the, the playoff, uh, playoff against win against, uh, against Peru. So that, that said a lot that the fact that he played in the two previous games, obviously Graham Arnold had him in mind to play that. It says everything you need to really know about how well he did in the A-League. And watching him... There was a lot of he was a, a cracking player. I've got maybe misgivings, uh, maybe slight doubts about him in the air, but everything else about his game is really impressive. And there was a lot of similarities to Stephen Kingsley. And I just thought, I just wondered if that was Nielsen thinking, "Oh, I'll play maybe move Stephen Kingsley to a wing back." But like you said, this left-sided centre back suited him down, suited him to a tee because he was able to kind of step in become uh, almost uh, he, would, he, would, he would link really well with Alex Cochran because he can go wide and cross or he can do the kind of underlapping run as well yeah. but 
I think against Stoke, he's seen someone who can easily play in the middle of the back three, so composed on the ball. He was using his right foot really well. Um, he was taking the ball under pressure and driving out. The, the only thing with Craig Halkett is that I think Craig Halkett's distribution is maybe underestimated, but my issue with him playing on the right-hand side of defence, he's seen it a couple of times against first in the first half against Stoke, got away with one, less so another one, was he just his defending in wide areas. So John Suter was superb at that last season where he'd almost come into a right back area and look mm-hmm. so comfortable. I'm not sure Calcutt is as comfortable out there. And it's no surprise, I think, that that Nielsen is looking at a right-sided centre-back, bringing a right-sided centre-back. And we've got, uh, as long as a good right-sided centre-back, four really, really good centre-backs and Lewis Nielsen as well, who's very promising, has a, had a good pre-season as well. So the... It, it it did surprise me the makeup of this the three centre backs and I think worked well against Stoke but they're still definitely Halkett's best position as the centre of the back three Kingsley's is the left hand side of the back three. Moving up the park, I mean we talked about Michael Smith won't be a, a first pick in the centre midfield hanging in there. What's the current state of play in terms of the other options? Because obviously Benny Beningham is a, a long term absentee. Cami Devlin. Do we expect him to be potentially back this weekend in the in the in the running for a place? So it's it's Devlin's Devlin's been a strange one. He's not been quite the same since kind of towards the end of towards the end of last season. Um, and I think he it was interesting hearing people have watched Ed at other games that when he's been playing with Grant Devlin's been the one that's actually been doing the um, a lot of the. Kind of motoring forward and supporting the supporting the play. Uh, Nielsen says, "I always think when Nielsen talks about um, injuries, I take it with a pinch of salt." But he says Devlin will <laughs> be available, and I think I, I do think that Michael Smith. I thought he played actually really well in the uh, in the middle of the pitch. He plays really well everywhere, but I think Michael Smith and Peter Harren are maybe not as. But uh, don't have the dynamism, the tempo that someone like Devlin would be. So if, as long as he's available, he, um, which I think he will be, is he, he has he has to start. Looking at the game against Stoke, so I thought Hearts controlled it quite well. Stephen Kingsley had a header off the bar. There wasn't a lot of clear chances. Jacob Brown, uh, Scottish international, should have done better for Stoke. He skied an opportunity from around the penalty spot, um, and then the opener came, and it was the I think the player that. The whole of Tyne Castle, or at least the home fans there, were hoping would be the man on the score sheet. Uh, Lawrence Shankland, um, set up by new signing Alan Forrest. Uh, what did you make of the goal, and how do you think Forrest and Shankland will will fit into this Hearts team? We expect Shankland to be kind of first pick number nine, effectively. But Forrest, I don't know if a lot of people just expect expect him to be a squad player, but he seems to be impressing quite a bit pre-season. Yeah, so just first on Forrest, I've, as, as soon as we were linked to him, I thought that would be a very smart pickup. Always been, he's, he's always a player who kind of just seemed to just be waiting for that chance in the Premiership. The re, I know speaking to Air fans, absolutely loved him. I think both in League One and and the Championship, and it was strange last season that Levy were almost kind of allowing him to go to St Johnston in January, and then he had brilliant form, but he's the type of player in this in the system we play who will will create goals, will score goals as well. And what I really liked about our play and this a lot of that's um, James Forrest. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to say that again. Uh, Alan Forrest had a <laughs> um, had a big role in that. In that we when we had possession, we made the pitch really really big. So we always had a lot of width, a lot of depth. Um, we moved around really well so I think the the big thing about uh, Hearts and the progression that we've made that we can play quickly but we can also kind of control the game control the tempo mm-hmm. of the game and then when you've got with Alan Forrest and Barry McKay you've seen it with if Alex Cochran or uh, Atkinson moved infield Forrest and Barry McKay would move uh, outfield so you've got this you basically just using the width as much of the width of the pitch and making the game as big as possible. And seeing that with the chance for Barry McKay, that was an absolute fantastic move. And mm. then you seen it as part of the, the goal as well with um, Atkinson making that 
kind of wide run down the right hand side. Uh, Mackay kind of dropping deep and knocking the ball over the top. And the big thing f- with that was Forrest getting involved, but Shanklin just the reaction he showed to uh, to yeah. score. It was it was everything you want in a striker. And I don't think Hearts fans saw the best of Shankland, uh, like the complete Lauren Shankland. Which is not surprised it was his first game. But over the over the piece, there's a fact that he was getting into goal scoring positions. They had a uh, shot that was saved by the keeper in the second half. Uh, two shots I think saved by the keeper, and the fact that he scored two goals as well. I think that's encouraging that. They've got uh, we've got we've got a striker who is getting into those those goal, goal scoring positions because you look at Liam Boyce I think he's going to be naturally just playing deeper he's a very intelligent uh, forward so is Shankland uh, but I think Boyce will do more will come to the ball more than yeah. uh, than Lauren Shankland will yeah I think on Shankland um, I was looking back because I remember there's a thread and you. I think you actually replied on it as well. It was Mark Ellis, who's a Dundee United mm-hmm. fan who does some tactical analysis. He posted a really good thread because like lots of Hearts fans, um, I'll, I'll have to, and I said it on the podcast, when it came up, when half a million was banded about, I was like, his record wasn't great, was it, with Dundee United? But I didn't watch Dundee United in the top flight. So I, I was going on just the very bare numbers in terms of his goal return. And I suppose you're comparing to his ridiculous goal return that he'd had. Yeah. In the second, uh, in the second tier, and before that, a division down. So, interestingly, the main bits from that were that under it was Mickey Mellon who he played under in the top flight. Uh, they were averaging 0.5 shots in the six-yard box um, a game and five in the penalty area per ninety. Hearts last season were um, one per game in the six-yard box and eight per ninety in the box. So significantly more, um, and apparently. United only managed 16 shots in the six in the six yard box all year, all season. Um, Hearts managed thir- double that in the six yard box um, and 270 in the penalty area compared to 168 for United that season. Um, so he'll get a lot more chances in this Hearts team than he did in that Dundee United team. Yeah, um, I, I've got to, I've got to admit that I'm I'm, I'm kind of the, I was kind of the opposite where when he went when he was with. Air United and then well, which was really impressive then Dundee United in the championship. I just thought he was a goal scorer. And I can I always thought Kevin Nisbet was the was the better striker. I don't there's I don't really don't when they both are on on form, I don't think there's much difference between the two. But it wasn't until he done Shanklin came into the, the premiership last season that I really appreciated just how good a striker he was. Yeah. Uh, he Yes, he didn't score, but like you said, the context needs to be given because Dunyard were well organised under Mickey Mellon, but they they didn't play to Shanklin's strengths. He was left up, isolated a lot, and the fact that he's one of his like two of his goals were sensational that season, but it all came down to just him. Where one picking up the ball at halfway line and uh, chipping Xander Clark from about forty five yards, and then one where just that instinct in the box where he. Uh, against St Mirren it was a, cro- a corner came in and he just hooked it into the top corner and I really it's, it's something that probably Boyce is capable of but I think Shankland is more capable of doing it more regularly but it was also that season where Shankland was one of the most creative forwards in the league um, I look at in terms of like kind of through balls or playing penetrative passes or kind of dropping deep he was up there with like David Turnbull as uh, one of the most creative uh, attackers in the league so we're not I think that I think with Shankland we'll see more of the goal score in Shankland that Robbie Nielsen got so much out of because you've got Liam Boyce to do that link play you've got Barry McKay yeah. to create chances you've got Alan Forrest to um, hit the byline or cut in and, 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 and create shots I think Robbie Nielsen will be focused on getting the ball to Shankland in dangerous areas crossing it which is which is ideal because I really do think this is to be fair. I thought it last season I was wrong, but the, the one of the best chances of a, a heart striker scoring twenty goals in a season. But going like looking further ahead, Hearts fans should be um, kind of comfortable knowing that Shanklin can be that uh, link striker, creative striker. If need be, for example, mm-hmm. we do sign another striker who plays more like Sims who can run in behind. Um, so yeah, I 
I was one of the few who, when a six-figure, like half a million was bandied about, I was like, I reckon that's going to be uh, that's going to be money well spent. And in terms of the goals before that top flight season, he got 92 in 109 games. And yes. although, it was, although it wasn't the top division, that is a mighty impressive return. And you have um, to see that... However you look at it. And you have to say that he did. He didn't in the championship, but United too. I think they had, they had a good season that season. But again, it's it's it, it's doing it for United, which I do think that um, should be more appreciation should be made of that as well. So second half in a stock game, Shankland did force a couple of saves before the goal he got with three minutes to go. Good alert play from him. But we've got to give a lot of credit for for Finlay Pollock as well because it was his determination intercepting, winning the ball. Lovely confidence to go past his man and just roll it to Shankland. Um, do you think he's a player who could have a part to play for this Hearts first team this season? Yeah, so this is this is a uh, bugbear of mine. I think him and Connor Smith uh, should be, maybe more so Connor Smith, but both should be more involved. I know, I know there's criticism within the Hearts support of Nielsen and his use of, uh, use of young players. Uh, and uh, uh, understandable but then you've got to balance that with getting results and playing um, getting into Europe etc etc so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a balancing act but I, I look at the amount of games you're going to play the, the hectic schedule the fact that we've, it's, it's, such, it's such a condensed period between now and the, now in November when and we split for the World Cup I think there's there's opportunity, especially off the bench, when a game needs a wee bit more energy and injection of something like just a wee spark. And Pollock and Connor Smith especially can can provide that. That's fair enough. It, it does seem like we're going to keep them, and they're going to split their time between the first team and and, and the B team. Which I'm I'm coming more around to. Okay, that's 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 probably more useful than going out on loan to. A championship team or uh, a team uh, top of League One, but I just think f- those weeks where they're playing in the B League, it's just a wee bit of uh, sorry, the B team. I just think both of those players are well above the Lowland League. And you look at you look at Connor Smith, and I know we're looking for another creative attacker, and everyone everyone loves new players, new signings, but I also think that you need to give talents like Connor Smith room to breathe room minutes on the pitch in the first team and I do see him as someone who can come into if we were playing that 3-4-3 one of those two positions either side of either side of the striker I know mm-hmm. I know it's league one uh, but every time I watched Queen's Park last season or watched highlights he was especially in the second half of the season he was so bright he's such a versatile player but so uh, such an easy player on the eye, creative, technical, and Finley Pollock. He's probably a bit more direct and a bit, bit more direct and energetic, but he can bring something as well. So I would like to, I would like, I think both are good enough to to make our um, to be involved and make an impact in the first team, maybe more so in the cups and certain league games off the bench. And I hope that they do get minutes. Still got to go back uh, just a minute before time. Tyrese Campbell looked like he was probably just offside, but no flag. And it wasn't to change the result. Hearts recording a 2-1 victory. Uh, friendly matches, I don't like reading into them too much. Joel, no. uh, I don't like getting too excited. I don't like getting too negative. You know, if Hearts have a terrible preseason, don't like to think about it too much. If they have a great preseason, I don't like to get carried away. But overall, what, what were your thoughts? Because for a friendly, I thought it was played at a decent tempo. Even you know, even towards the end when a few subs had been made, and I think it showed that both sides were kind of gearing up to their first competitive game. What did you take from it overall, from a, a Hearts perspective? So, firstly, just the the whole the the whole preseason. I think it's hugely encouraging that we've. I was looking at it, and we've played eight matches. We've got given players plenty of minutes, and I think that is going to stand us in really good stead come the start of the season because you compare it to this is mental Motherwell played two friendlies before they played Sligo Rovers and got beat by Sligo Rovers whereas Hearts have been we've played we've, we're going to go into the season having played eight matches and I think that does that is going to make uh, make a massive difference to the way we start particularly for Stoke I kind of made, I talked about it earlier on but I was really just really impressed with the way the team moved as as a collective just the just the way we got into shape when we lost the ball, kind of dropped into a back five, uh, made it quite quite compact and narrow as well, made it difficult for Stoke to play. When we lost the ball, 
if it was higher up the pitch, would engage really quickly and, and press. That's that was really good. Committed a few fouls, which if we're doing that when we just lost the ball, I am all for because it stops the it's, it stops opposition uh, forming a uh, forming attack and, and maybe exposing us on the counter attack. And then with the ball, like I said, I think there's I think this there's, there's signs of progression under Robbie Nielsen noise through his two spells there's been question marks about the style of football but I do think this is a team that has a lot of strings to the bow I think we can play quick we can go down the sides we can play through the middle with uh, through Haran and into into Mackay and if Boyce is there and, and Shanklin's dropping deep we can play that high tempo we can go uh, direct but not in a long ball uh, fashion but also we can control it and build from the back really patiently I think you could see a lot of that against Stoke it wasn't perfect um, you can see it in the game against Preston as well sometimes can be slack on the ball but the big thing is like how confident the players are taking the ball under pressure uh, Peter Haran's very good at it Barry McGuire's very good at it I think that was a big thing for the the Barry McKay chance in the first half was that we played out under pressure. We probably will play ourselves in a wee bit of difficulty, but I just like the way that the, the, the team's evolving. And I was I've not watched I've not watched too many of the friendlies. Like you said, I've, I find it difficult to read too much into it. And it's it's been more of a going into the season, it's more understated just because we've not been involved in the uh, Premier Sports group stage and thank goodness for that. Uh, I just got so fed up with that. And But at the same time, those competitive games uh, allowed you to get excited or frustrated, whereas with friendlies, it was just like, right, just kind of eager for the competitive action to start. And having watched the Stoke game and seen what I saw, I'm really looking forward to the Ross County game on Saturday and a full-time castle. It should be nice with a European draw on Tuesday to look uh, look forward to. So, yeah, from from like a couple of days ago being just like, yeah, looking forward to the season starting. I was like, now I just can't wait for time castle on Saturday. Right, okay, so next up we'll have a little bit of fun. Um, now, what I did earlier this week was I put um, some questions out there to Twitter to get some um, feedback from Hearts fans on where they think the club will finish in the league, how they'll do in the League Cup, how they'll do in the Scottish Cup, how they'll do in Europe, who will be top scorer, who will be player of the year, who will be the best signing, and who will be the most improved player. Now, Joel doesn't know I've done this. So in the last half hour before we came on, I kind of had a little idea when I was looking at the data and I thought, family fortunes, look at the survey, try and predict what the most people have gone for. So actually, actually ended up getting about 100 people who gave me um, feedback. So not every answer I could use exactly because some people put things like, Shit is how they do. <laughs> so it was, it was harder to put that into I, I a, seen, a I context. I seen Liam Corbett's answer, and they're just like, "That's the that's the most Liam Corbett answer I've ever seen." Uh, uh, probably when, put. I think just put. We got put out. Yeah, lose, lose, lose. So I couldn't put everything there, but the day I could clear where people gave me something that I could obviously put in there, um, and I, I managed to use the majority of them. So I think it gives quite a good picture. So what I'm going to go through is each of these questions. I want you to do. We'll do the family fortunes thing. So first of all, you try and give me what the top answer was um and then we can talk about what you actually think will be the the what your opinion is of our hearts will do so let's fire on now first up league finish so where will hearts finish in the league where do you think people voted in this one i reckon i reckon a lot of people were sensible and went for a third you say third our survey yep. says Third, 72.53% of people. So yes, almost three quarters of people put down third. Um, next up, fourth, 14% of people put fourth. We got almost 9% went with second. Um, nice, nice. Uh, so 2%, uh, sorry, I should say, 3.3% um, went with winning the league. And we got someone who was also torn and put 
third slash fourth, which threw the date a little bit, but I put them in there. So pretty sensible. Um, do you agree with the majority on this one, Joel? Yeah, I, I think so. I just I've seen a lot of Aberdeen this uh, this preseason. I think they've came on leap, leaps and bounds. They played lower league opposition, so you wouldn't want to get too carried away. But it does seem like they've made quite uh, some shrewd signings and players from last season look much improved. They look like playing a decent style of play, but that's still being quite an overhaul. Same with Hibs, so many players coming in. Just, I think it would take time to time to really get up and running and adapt. And you look at what they did last season. I just think no one is improved enough to get anywhere to to bridge that massive gulf that was there that season. And I don't think we've regressed, and I don't think we will regress uh, all that much to allow teams to make that jump. So yeah, I think I think third is um, is should be. I mean, not realistic. It really should happen and be massive. It does. It obviously depends on the Scottish Cup. Whoever wins the Scottish Cup, but getting it gives a good chance to get back into our group stage, whether it's Conference League or Europa League. And with that, you just continue to build. It allows you to increase revenue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, I think I, I, this is another big season for finishing third. I'm, go- I'm going to go with third as well. I feel like we might have a slightly trickier first half of the season because of the Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. Yes. You know, eight, eight individual matches in European football. It's just uncharted territory for us. So although we are going to be strengthening the squad, that will have an impact. If if the like, Aberdeen is the only team I, I see in there as a potential challenger at the moment to us mm-hmm. for third. If they do really kick on, because these signings are unknown. They, you know, they spent over, you know, spent about a million and a half quid. Um, obviously, they've raked a lot of money in so they can afford to do that. Um, but they're unknown to an extent in terms of the Scottish League so will they hit the ground running I don't know we've only got League Cup action so I wouldn't be surprised if we are not comfortable or we're not even in third come January but I feel over the course of the season I think we should still have the strength to to get that spot so I'm going third as well I'll I'll keep a note of these and I'll get Mark and Ryan's as well so keep a note of them we can go back to it so third place so League Cup um, what do you think the majority of people went for in terms of our league cup performance this season. I, I th- again, I'm, I'm trusting trusting us to be realistic and looking at our history of league cup and I was going to say recent history, long time history in the league cup, and I reckon people have. I'll go for out in the quarters. Okay, you go with the quarters. Our survey says <laughs> semi final mm. is the. The majority, forty-five percent of people, went with a semi-final as the furthest hearts will go in the league cup. Um, second, runner-up, over twenty percent of people went with runner-up. Um, people were. I, have to, I put a lot of things in here that I think people were being just overly optimistic for the sake of it, because in third is winning the league cup at almost seventeen <laughs> percent, and it's not till down in fourth. Quarterfinals, 13.5% of people went with a quarterfinal. Um, 3.37% uh, went with uh, round two exit, which is against Kilmarnock <laughs> in our first game. So what, what about you then, Joel? Is, are, you, are you going with what you felt the masses would go with, quarterfinal? Is that what you think we'll, we'll do? And look, <clears throat> let's, let's just add cup predictions on a bit pish because you don't know who you're going to draw yeah. at this point so my I, this is this is something I would uh, probably one of the very very maybe maybe not this season just because how much uh, how much Scott winning the Scottish Cup means in terms of getting into uh, Europe and getting into the group stages but there's something the League Cup is eating at me I really want us to win the League Cup it's been that long it's just it's really starting to grate I know people it's, it's a small cup you don't really get other than the cup and the day out Hamden, much uh, kind of joy from it, long long term joy from it. But we we really need to win the league cup. However, I don't just just with what you mentioned about the schedule, I just have a yeah. have a fear that we might get beat by Kilmarnock on the thirty first of August. We play our uh, second leg of the playoff the week before on the twenty fifth of August, yep. and then our first group stage match is the week after on the eighth of September. So. Again, it comes in that period where there's just so many games. 
I wonder if that's 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 a that's a game where Nielsen will rotate, it and it's understandable maybe. if he does. So yeah, I'm going to be going to be pessimistic uh, and uh, and go for the, the the round of sixteen. Ah, uh, a two one defeat to Kilmarnock. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm I really want to say win the league cup because I I really want us to to end that weight as well. But I think first half of the season, um, it's not as important as the Scottish Cup, albeit it should be what it's you know one of only two trophies we can realistically win. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm gonna say just, just wait until we see our Europa League group stage. Just wait until yeah, we see I, I, I'm gonna still say I'm gonna still say semi final, which I know is I know is stupid. I'm saying like we're not gonna do great. No actually I'll go quarter final. I'm gonna go with yeah quarter final because I think we'll maybe edge past Kamarnik still maybe get a tough away draw in the quarters. So so let's not talk about the We'll go in the Scottish Cup briefly, but we're not going to read too much into the Cup predictions. But Scottish Cup, um, what do you think the, the the highest number of votes went for in this one? I reckon I'm going to steal the steal the League Cup prediction and go for semi final for this one as well. You say semi final? The survey yeah. says semi final. Yep. Well done. Forty six percent of people went with semi final exit in the Scottish Cup. Um, a little bit more confidence in this one than the League Cup. Uh, over a quarter of people, so almost 26%, went with a victory, so winning the Scottish Cup. Quarterfinal, 13.5%, same as runner-up, 13.5%, and uh, we only got, I think we only got just over 1% for a round four exit. So do you think semi-final is what's going to happen, or are you going to go a little bit further than that, Joel? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll play it safe. I'll play it safe and go semi-final just because it's uh, not just because, but I, I think we'll get back, back to Hamden. We've got into that. We've got into that almost routine uh, of of getting there. I think we're a good cup team now as well. And you look back and remember when I was like growing up and we didn't get to I'm trying to think the. You got didn't get to like Hamden as consistently. Um, the two thousand and four League Cup semi final. Let's not talk about that. Then they've got the <laughs> Scottish Cup semi final, which is now just scored. Let's not talk about that. Semi final is Rangers in the League Cup uh, Darshaville handball. Let's not talk about that. So, but it was just like it wasn't as consistent as it has been the last few the last few years where we've we've got to got to semi finals and and finals, and it's good to have that. That mentality, and I think that's there in that squad. So yeah, I'll go for let's go for semi final at least. I'll add at least. I'm gonna go with a win. Why not? Because Ooh. yeah, we'll struggle. We a bit save ourselves for the Europa League final. Yeah, we'll struggle the first half of the season in the League Cup, but second half we refreshed. We'll team will really gel properly. We'll have a lot of money in the bank from Europe to maybe add one or two big signings in January, and we'll really go for go for it second half of the season. I'm gonna go with a win. Why not? Scottish Cup win. Right, European football. So, um, again, I had to, a few got filtered out here because didn't kind of confirm exactly what they were going with in terms of which competition, but I've managed to get a good number of um, of votes to what we'll do in, in Europe. And let's see what you think, Joel. What do you think the majority went with for how Hearts will do in Europe this season in terms mm. of what stage they will get to in which competition? This is, uh, I reckon, third in the Conference League group stage. So I'll take that because I, I went, I'm going to minimise it. So the survey said Europa Conference League group. So people basically said we wouldn't go further than the groups. I've just put that into one. So 43% of people said the furthest we would go would be the conference groups, which is what would happen if we finished third in the conference groups. Interestingly, almost 30%. Went with getting to the last 32 of the Europa Conference League. And 12% went with Europa League group, which would suggest getting to Europa League and finishing bottom of the group. It's not going any further. And then we've got a mix of people saying we'd win the Europa League, <laughs> the quarterfinals of Conference League, all kinds. Got Even got a Europa League semi-final spot down there. How do you think we will do? So... I reckon it's just we we're obviously going to go on to talk about um, parts of the, the European side of things because the games to as we record Champions League games have a, have an effect on the draw when we face on Tuesday. But looking at the looking at the potential teams that we could face, 
it's gone from having teams like, well, that's that's going to be really tough to being a fair few winnable, dare say, winnable ties. Um, mm-hmm. I know I, I say this, I, the big caveat is that last time we were in Europe, we got beat by Burke Cara, uh, a Maltese side with uh, two honking performances. Uh, so I need to maybe maybe rein myself in, but obviously, like, like you talked about with the, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, a lot of it comes down to, to the draw. But there is, there's winnable ties there with, with a wee bit of luck. I um, So I'm going to be really positive and say into the Europa League group stage and a third place finish, which means mm-hmm. we drop into the Conference League. The Conference, so you think what, last 32 of the Conference then if we... Yeah, so it's it's weird the way it's uh, the, the way I think the way it's set up. I think it goes into if we finish third in the yes third in Europa League, then we'll play one of the second place teams in the uh, Conference yeah, League in like a last stage. thirty-two, basically. Yeah, isn't it? and then the winners of them go and play the winners, uh, the group winners. So again, it comes down to it comes down to draw. But I'm going to say our luck, our luck mm-hmm. will run out then. We'll go, yeah, but go beyond Christmas. No, I, I'm I'm going with the same actually. So that's. The second favourite in terms of what we'll do, which is the last thirty-two of the Conference League, and I, I, I think either like how you said, we'll sneak in the Europa League and hopefully get third. You know, get the one of the the, the next lowest seeded team in the group. We'll hopefully get a bit of luck and with someone who we can finish above, or we'll drop in the Conference and we'll man- manage to get top two. Because I looked at some of the groups, and like you said, it does depend on draw. Yeah, I looked at some of the groups from last season, and I thought some of the group winners in there are teams that I think Hearts could beat. Not saying they would, but could. So, yeah, why not? Last 32 of the Europa Conference League. I'm just, I'm just looking at the, I've just scrolled down further in the playoff round on the Wikipedia page and I'm just laughing at the teams who are already in the group stages. Roma, Man United, Arsenal, Lazio, Feyenoord. <laughs> Real Sociedad, Easy. Real Betis. Easy. Union Berlin. I know. It wasn't that long ago that we were getting beat by Broader Rangers and now I'm confident going into European group stages. <laughs> oh, wait. What's happened? Uh, Talk about delusional. <laughs> why not? It's it's the start of the season. If you're not optimistic now, why not? And I should say, talking of like this is this probably sums up. Um Hibs Hibs Talk podcast actually replied with their predictions. Don't know why, but they did. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and they they picked Hibs to finish sixth. So I um <laughs> Which is probably f- optimistic, but at the same time it's kinda of like, is that where we're at? Yeah. <laughs> At the point of the season where you should all be just predicting that you're gonna win the league because it's nothing's happened yet. I'm just saying, I'm watching them against Falkirk, and I am. Um, I'm not going to finish that sentence because that will come back to bite me in the second uh, second day of the season. So um, yeah, just we'll leave it at that. Keep your powder dry for now. Um, right, okay. Uh, the next next uh, four are quite interesting. So these are player ones. So top goal scorer. Now this one, I mean, okay. what what do you think the masses went with for top goal scorer, Joel? Mister Shankland. Shankland. You say our survey says you and Henderson. Ninety-four point four percent of people voted Lawrence Shankland would be top scorer, top goal scorer. No surprise there. Uh, Liam Boyce, I uh, got just over three percent, and we got a couple of single votes for Alan Forrest and for Stephen Kingsley. But um, yeah, no surprise. And I'm going to guess you're going to agree with the majority on that one. Yes, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen King were that far back and just going by going by his pre-season. Uh, yeah, Shankland, I think, spoke, just, we spoke about him earlier on, just position he's, the position he's going to take for us, playing under Nielsen, Nielsen's knows how to get goals out of him and just the, just the creativity around him. He's going to have so many bodies around him. We're going to play to his strengths and get the best out of him. So yeah, I'd, I would be really... Uh, Putting a lot of pressure on him, but I'm really disappointed if if he doesn't hit at least fifteen. Okay, interesting. I will I will agree, Lawrence Shankland. Okay, next up, Player of the Year. What do you think got the highest votes? From Stephen Kingsley. Fans? You say Kingsley? Our yes. survey says correct. Stephen Kingsley. Which um, I thought I thought you might get thrown by that one, but thirty four thirty four point four percent of people went with Stephen Kingsley. Barry Mackay. 31%. Number two, Craig Gordon way back with only just under 18% of the vote for Craig Gordon to get player of the year. Um, thought he might be higher again, but we got quite a few out there. A few got Halkett was next, then George Grant, 
or Jorge Grant, as you like to call him, um, Shanklin in there as well. So, yeah, I, what do you think? Do you do you agree? Yeah. So for this one, I just went for went for my went for my gut instinct and then what I would go for him. I, it was I was, I was just with, um, I was watching the, the game and I was about to text a mate and just saying watching Stoke City game I know it's a friendly but Stephen Kingsley is world class and he's just he's just so he's just so good at everything his leap is his, his leap is incredible his left foot's incredible the way he moves through the ball uh, the ball is incredible him standing still is incredible just just everything about him is just he's, he's just a he's a dream boat of a football player I can't disagree King, Kingsley for me as well um, but he's, he's a type of player that I'd, I'd be I'd be comfortable starting in the front three. I was comfortable starting as a as a centre midfielder. I was comfortable sort as a as, as a winger. It's just he's he's just such a such a good just such a good player. I think Would you I, put him in goals ahead of Ross Stewart. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, best signing. Another quite interesting one, I thought. So, best signing. What do you think the Hearts fans voted for as the best signing? Just just because he is down as top goal. He won the top goal scorer one. I'm going to guess that Shankland also was the uh, ran away with the best, best signing. You say Shankland. Our survey says Lawrence Shankland, 40%. But maybe, nope. I'm not quite running away with it. Mm-hmm. George Grant actually got 34.4%. Quite a few people fancy George Grant. Um, James Forrest and Kai Rolls both got just under 9%. And here's an interesting one. 5.5% of people said the signing of the season has not signed yet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. You think there's a big... And Gary Locke was on um, last week. Yeah, and he suggested, I don't know if you heard him. He suggested he he didn't give us anything else, but just suggested that there'll be some eyebrows raised at uh, at least one big signing to come. Yeah, I, I do. I uh, did hear him say that, and I do wonder if it could maybe come down to if we get into the Europa League. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting into Europa League group stages, I really don't think there's overly in terms of the quality of teams. There's not massive amounts of between the two group stages. I know there's not a massive amount of money between the group stages, but just being in the Europa League is a, a big selling point. So, yeah, I, I would like to think that we'll um, we'll maybe sign a, a couple more and then have a biggie towards the end of the season. That's certainly what uh, certainly what hope uh, hope for. Just someone, hopefully, someone really exotic. Um, okay. Either South American or 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 from from Japan or something. Who would you go for signing of the season? Um, I thought you were going to say who 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 would sign. I was just immediately just going to Marisol <laughs> Pinier, even though he's been retired for a year. Uh, <laughs> signing of the season, I would at the moment would be very much be um, falling into the the, the Shanghai mold. But I, I think okay. I think Alan Forrest will really surprise. I think he'll. Would be much more productive than uh, than Ginelli and Gary Mackay Stephen were last season. It's, I really enjoyed the way against Stoke that he wasn't he didn't just, didn't just stick out right. Uh, he did combine quite well with Atkinson, but he moved in and he was playing balls in behind. He can there's, there's a lot to there's a lot to his game, and I think he's a type of player that moving up another level will, will bring the best out of him. I actually saw a bit more of. Alex Cochran, that uh, that I've probably not appreciated before. I think I thought it was more dynamic. I thought it was uh, more uh, kind of direct and uh, more attacking against Stoke as well. So I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be the best. I think uh, he, he'll he'll fall into a solid signing this season. So you're going to go Shankland. I actually fancy Kai Rolls from my point of view to be best signing. I've got quite high hopes, and I. I could see him really kicking on and potentially making us a nice wee transfer and going up to a, it's a hard. better level. It's 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 hard with roles because when anything defensively just of just be emerged by just be taken by Stephen Kingsley. It's like the yeah, um, honey, I blew up the kid. He's just he's he's just got that <laughs> presence. Kingsley is just <laughs> just so so dominating. Honey, I blew up the Kingsley. Um. Right, finally, most improved Ooh. player. What do you reckon 
most of the votes went for on who will be the most improved player most improved. this season. Trying to, trying to think who will fall into that. Atkinson? You see Atkinson? Yeah. As everybody says, Nathaniel Atkinson yeah. ran away with it, to be honest. Uh, over 46% of the votes put down Nathaniel Atkinson as the player who will be most improved in the new season. And I can I can get that. Yeah, I, I think very good going forward. I think he showed a lot of promise. He did have a few off games, I thought, but understandable. A new league, um, first move out of um, you know into European football. Um, if he can improve that defensive side of his game, I think he could become a, a really important player for us. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I've still got my I've still got reservations about Atkinson defensively. There's just there's some some things he does where I'm just um, unsure of sometimes both with the ball and without the ball. I was on a, uh, it was on another podcast with uh, Michael Michael Stewart and he he talked about the he was unsure in the formation because the wing backs play more like full backs and I'm just I was uh, I was just thinking to myself have you seen Atkinson he's he's not I, I think he's more of a more of a winger than he is a fullback, uh, and I do think he'll he'll if he improves defensively. I think we'll have a cracking uh, adapts maybe adapts more defensively. We'll have a cracking signing because he is so good at getting into the getting into the final third and offering us width. So yeah, I um I'm, I'm in agreement with the uh, the rest of the fan. There's one other okay. player who would would maybe go for. Okay, I mean, I I know who I'm going to go for is not Atkinson. I'll see if it, if you go with the same. Um, next on the list surprised me a little bit. Cochrane got in there, twelve percent. I thought Cochrane was a pretty decent kind of almost Michael Smith esque in terms of always really kind of performed very solidly. Had a few games where he was excellent. Maybe a couple of games he was more of a kind of five or a six out of ten. But I thought he was a very reliable and consistent player for us last season. Um, Finley Pollock. Uh, next in the list, almost 11% of the votes for Finlay Pollock. And the player I would go with is one who got almost 10% would be Toby Sibick, who I think struggled more than I thought last season. I thought he would fit in pretty well, but I think there's a lot more to come from him. And I think if he gets more chance in midfield, which might happen in this campaign, if we do sign another defender, I think we could see the best of, of Toby Sibick. Yeah, he's... He's another one who had his moments last season after after signing. I f- so it was weird because he when he played right off a back three, I just thought he looked so uncomfortable. And then mm-hmm. when he moved into the middle of back three, he looked much more assured. And I don't know if that's just because he knew his job a lot more. It's almost like he was tentative at right centre back. Uh, so yeah, I can can get on board with that. But it, the other one I was going to go for was Cochrane. Uh, I, I think okay. he'll be. He might go from being kind of solid, uh, solid Alex Cochran to mostly solid Alex Cochran. But oh, he has had a, a few really good games, Alex Cochran as well. Okay, so you go with Atkinson or is it Cochran then? I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Atkinson. I'll go with Atkinson. Okay. I'll just because I, I hope I think he's got. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Alex Cochran. Okay, fair enough. Well, there we have it. The uh, Corgi family fortunes. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. We'll move on, though. Right, we'll talk very briefly, touch on European potential European opponents. And the reason I don't want to focus on it too much, not just because we're kind of getting towards the end of the show, but also because things are moving. Um, and we spoke before we came on air about who it looked likely to be, but that's already changed because um, I think Ferenc Varos were a team we thought would likely be in the mix but they managed to win with some late goals against Slovan Bratislava. I think we had Maccabee Haifa in the mix but they are hammering Olympiakos in Greece so I think that means we're having to adjust the teams already isn't it? Um, Yeah so so off the the potential 14 teams 13 are confirmed and 14 will be confirmed because I think there's at the time of a time we're recording there's about 25 minutes left in the Olympiakos match so that's that's done and dusted so I think we can say for say pretty confidently the the 14 teams who we could be facing in the yeah and it's and it's one game, isn't it, that we were, both the teams we thought about, because it's now Slovan Bratislava or yes. Olympiakos in one game. So um, 
tell us tell us the the ties that are coming up and these will decide the winners of these ties will then go into the hat to play hearts is that correct yeah, so it's the, the playoff round. It's it's a wee bit different to other rounds. It's, it's you're not really. It's not a case of seeded and unseeded. There's like four priority groups, and Hearts are priority one, which means we'll play uh, one of the two teams in priority four, or the five teams in priority three. So the we will f- the draw will happen on Tuesday, and we won't know for certain who the team is, but basically we'll be drawn against two teams and the winner of that team will play because they need to play the third qualifying round of the Europa League. So in terms of booking flights, we need to we need to wait until either the first <laughs> leg's done or the second leg's done, which happens on the 4th of August and the 11th of August. So, But we'll know um, if we're home or away first, won't we? But we don't know that just now, do we? Yes, we'll, we'll, know, we'll know if we're home or away and we'll... we'll we'll get a good idea of one of the two places we'll be going. And then after the first leg, as some did after Infinite, might take a, <laughs> uh, take, a, take a chance on where we're going. But the 14 teams we could play, so that we had the winners of Swedish team Malmo, who obviously beat Hibs 7-0, and Luxembourg champions, so the Luxembourg champions do the long sh- Shamrock Rovers or Macedonian champion Scoopy. Sh- Linfield or Zurich, it'll be Olympiakos or Slovan Bratislava, Maribor or Helsinki. Now, all those those 10 teams are all their league champions. Then, and there's a diff in the priority four, it'll be one of the two of these four teams AEK Larnaca, Partizan Belgrade, Fenerbahce, or Slovakko of Czech Republic. So, Looking at that, there is plenty of, I think, plenty of winnable ties, and then there's also plenty of ties that you'd like to go, uh, maybe like to avoid. Certainly. I mean, um, one good thing from my perspective, I mean, Carabag were in the mix to potentially be in the mix, but they're not. They got through. That is obviously um, a trip potentially to Baku, which is not ideal because it's a very tough uh, team to play and it's a nightmare uh, to get to and back from so luckily they're not in the mix but some very tough potential teams and they're obviously Belgrade um, would be tough Olympiakos in Greece um, you know, Malmo as well decent side Fenerbahce in Turkey so um, first up Joel what do you think the best team out of the likely teams to get through the hearts could draw in there because you know there's some teams in there that you just don't like Dudelange would be probably a decent draw. You feel like they'd be unlikely to get past Malmo, though. So, what do you think the best realistic team in terms of progressing currently? Hearts could draw. Um, I am. You're probably thinking the winners of Shamrock winners Rovers of Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. I, again, I'm. I am no Macedonian ex football expert, so I have no idea what this. Uh, what this Ask Aberdeen's new number nine. <laughs> yes, I've no idea what they're uh, actually. I I wrote an article um, about them and called them North Macedonian, and got a very, very, very angry um, guy in my Twitter DMs for using the term North Macedonian and not Macedonian. He used some unvery, very unsavory language towards me. So oh, okay, um, maybe maybe okay. want to avoid maybe want to avoid Scoopy. So uh, hopefully, so Shamrock Rovers, but. He said that about Dudelange and Malmo. Malmo got hammered by uh, Zalgris, who brought on mm. a 38-year-old Solius Michalinus, uh, and who's now playing in defence. Um, so they are they mustn't be that great. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Uh, if you were to pick one purely from a trip point of view, who would you go with just now? Ooh, I, I would either like Fenerbahce, just because I really want to go to Istanbul, I just think that would be that would that would be uh, that would be interesting. Or Maribor because Slovenia, I think there's quite a few cities nearby you can get to. I think um, guy on Twitter, Ikauskas, he's he yeah. has um, brought up this really handy list of who we're yeah. likely to get and nearby cities. Maribor, Slovenia is a lovely country, and um, it, would, it would allow us to go to Lake Bled, which is it's stunning. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, at uh, X so ECK underscore eighteen seventy four. I've been following that as well. He's been keeping track of who we could potentially play, where they're based, and then the nearby 
cities to that location as well. So quite handy to have a look at that. So we'll find out next week. So before we record um, the next podcast, we should have a confirmation of the two potential teams we'll play and whether we'll be home or away. So keep a keep a, keep your ears out for that next time. Right, finally, before we go, Joel, it's the first game of the season and we've talked about a few things, but we should definitely talk about this. Heart Urban Lothian against Ross County, uh, league opener, always a very exciting match. We're expecting a full house at Tynecastle, of course, over 15,000 season tickets sold. I don't think there's any walk-up tickets now either. People haven't grabbed what they can in hospitality, so it should be a packed Tynecastle, great atmosphere. Now look at Ross County, not a team I've, I've seen yet. This pre-season, I think you have. Uh, all I did was I had a look at their results. They won three of their four League Cup group games. They did draw with Bucky Thistle and then won the bonus point on penalty kicks. They won 7-0 against East Fife at the weekend. One thing that stood out for me was all the bloody goals were scored by new signings. So I know I've got a lot of work to do ahead of the weekend for my prep for this commentary. Yeah, so I think they've they've been up there with one of the most intriguing. It's certainly the team um, I'm one of the teams I'm most intrigued about, just because of the the transfer business they've done. Obviously, they've lost Reagan Charles Cook. He's went to Belgium. They've lost Joseph Hungbo, Blair Spill, Harry Payton. All were uh, kind of first team regulars last season. A couple of fullbacks as well that have, have left because they had quite a lot of loan players. Yeah. Last season, uh, I think that was a that was a, a a big decision recruitment wise. But this time they've went and bought uh, largely permanent players in, and they've ten all, new arrivals. No, yes, no fewer than ten anyway. They've, they've had so quite a, a lot of them have had a positive impact already. Watched uh, watched the highlights against East Fife at the weekend. Yes, League Two East Fife, but they they looked really good and under. Under Malky Mackay, Ross County are a, a good attacking side. I think only Dundee conceded more goals than them. I think they will be a bit more defensively sound this season. They were getting they were getting better defensively towards the end of last season. But they're a team that plays on the front foot. They'll they've got so much pace, uh, pace and power in in attack. Uh, they have signed William Accio, who's I think famously, um, everyone probably seen his, the clip on Twitter of him um, trying to score an open goal and just torn it off the line and passed the post remarkably. And Aurora Edwards from Bristol City alone, he scored a few goals. I think they like quite like the look of Kazim Olegby. Again, another forward, he's alone from Southampton. But it's midfielders who they've, I think they really could elevate uh Ross County and probably bringing the best in them in terms of giving them that platform to play. They've uh, brought in Victor Latouri from the Canadian Premier League, he's very highly rated. I think he was, he was very high rated in, in Canada. I think there was a lot of interest in him. He's uh, um, more of a kind of sitting midfielder, but he's, I think he's a bit of all action as well. And then Jan Danda, who I think could be one of the best signings made by a team in the Premiership this season. Okay. Played quite a lot of championship football for Swansea. I think he's an upgrade on someone like Harry Payton or Blair Spill. He's really creative, so he'll kind of knit it all all together. So they're kind of the players to to look out for. And I do think they'll pose a, a real threat to us, especially the longer the game goes on, if it's level, just because I think they'll have such a, a counter-attacking threat um, under, under Malky McKay. They'll move the ball forwards quite a lot. So they're definitely... I mean, even though they've lost a lot of key players, I think they've got a better squad after this season. I think it'll be a wee bit more balanced this season. So it's not it's not the worst game to get uh, the season up and running. A home home game against Ross County sold out, but uh, they will be. I think they'll, they'll be a, a tricky team to play against. You think it'll be quite an open game then? A yeah, team that I will, might I will, I just be, sit in. I wouldn't be. I can't see not not under Malcolm Kai. I really can't see them sit in. I think they'll. Um, they, they might allow Hearts to have the ball, but when they win it, they'll move forward really quickly. And I think it could be, especially in the first half, could be a, a real end-to-end game or conversely, kind of feeling each other out in the first half and it, it can explode into life after the break. So I don't think it's going to be a dull encounter. So in terms of the Hearts line, what do you expect? Uh, we talked about the the team that played against Stoke, Gordon and Goals, Halkett, Kingsley, Rolls, Atkinson, Smith, Haring, Cochrane, Forrest, Shanklin, Mackay, any changes to that? You think you might have? I think Devlin into that centre. 
I think the fact that we've used the 3-4-3 in the final preseason match, I think that it'll be Devlin or Grant will come into the come into the midfield. And now, like kind of having talked through Ross County, I think Devlin with his with his energy will mm-hmm. be if he's available, be the, the smarter one to play. And then if it gets needs a wee bit more finesse, bring Grant on second half. But the good thing is, is you got so yeah, I think that'll be pretty much the the eleven that played against Stoke with Devlin coming for Michael Smith. But the good thing is we've got got some options. So obviously we'd like to have a bit more have a some more options, but in terms of personnel, but we can definitely play flip the system during the game as well, which is yeah. which is always very, very handy. Indeed. So let's we as we normally do. We'll go with a score and someone who will get on this score sheet. I've written one down here in terms of a score and a goal scorer, which is pretty predictable probably. But what do you reckon for Saturday? 3-1 and Alan Forrest. Ah, so you, that's interesting. You went, you went with the, one, of the, one of the things you went the same as me, but I thought it'd be the other way around. I thought you would go with the same goal scorer, but maybe a different score. But you went with the same score I've put down, but I've been a bit predictable. So I went 3-1 and Lawrence Shanklin to score. We wouldn't be surprised if both score. Both score, yeah. I was going to say you probably assume that Shanklin will get one of them as well. But you've been a bit more interested than me and not gone with the obvious. So yeah, 3-1 in Shanklin. I'll take 3-1 in Shanklin and Forrest, both to get on the score sheet. And Hearts to get off to a winning start. So certainly looking forward to that one. Um, hopefully it's a big three points for Hearts. Will you be there, Joel? Yes, I uh, I, I certainly will be. Hopefully Working better. or... Support. No, I've um, I have purchased. Uh, I've I've managed to get a season ticket just to. I've not had a season ticket the last few years just because of work purposes and not being able to uh, justify the expense. But since I want to come to all the European games, I thought that has. <laughs> I thought my credit cards will have to come in use, and I'll need to buy a, a season ticket. So. I've, uh, I've 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 purchased one, so I'll get to as many games as possible. And like, like I said earlier on the show. Can't bloody wait. I think many Hearts fans will be the same. So thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you to Joel for for joining me. We will be back next week to discuss the game against Ross County, to discuss the European draw that will have taken place uh, before that. Um, you can get in touch with us in the meantime. You can tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.